לקוטי סיכס, חלק י"ג, חוקס בייז, the second סיכה for חוקס. In order to better understand the סיכה, to have a better appreciation of it, I would suggest that you learn the Rashi prior to this Rashi, the Rashi in the Pasuk before. This Rashi is going to be on Perik Chafalif, Pasuk Test, chapter 21, verse 9. I advise you to learn the Rashi before in order to understand the Sikha better. In this Sikha, we're going to become familiar with even more rules in Rashi. We're also going to learn a little bit about how Rashi was written and later typeset and printed. Also, we're going to learn the manner in which Hashem commanded Moshe and later he transmitted these commandments to Yidin. And also some very interesting insight, some Kabbalah behind this Rashi. Let's begin. We're going to learn, we'll try to learn Ois, Aleph and Beis, chapter 1 and 2 inside. And then we're going to discuss chapters 3, 4, and 5. Ala posuk vayas Moshe nechas nechoshes. On the posuk that it says Moshe made a nechash nechoshes, a serpent out of copper. Maitik Rashi sateves nechash nechoshes. Rashi quotes these words. Umefarish and he explains. Loi nemer loi la soi soi shel nechoshes. It was not told to him, it was not commanded to him to make it out of copper. Ela Omar Moshe, rather Moshe himself said, he reasoned, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Nachash, Hashem called it Nachash, Vani Asenu Shal and I shall make it from copper, Loshoin Neufala Loshoin, literally a, an expression or a term falling on a term, a term fitting a term. So since it's Nachash, he made out of Nechoshes, which is copper in Hebrew. Why does Rashi write this? Why is Rashi telling us that it was not commanded to him? It seems obvious that Rashi's intention is to emphasize, to explain the obvious question. In the actual Pasuk, we don't find anywhere that Hashem should command him directly to make it out of the Chayshas. And therefore, Rashi gives us the insight, And that's what Rashi has to explain to us, the reason for Moshe having made it out of Nechoshes, out of copper. And Rashi gives us the reasoning, what went through Moshe's mind. However, we need to understand. In other words, following the rules of Rashi, we have some questions here. Aleph, Arichus Haloshin. Rashi seems to go in a very lengthy explanation here. Namely, the question that he poses, the fact that Rashi says it wasn't told to him, and the reason why he did it is such and such. It's not Rashi's normal way of explaining the Pasuk, it's not the, so to speak, Rashi's normal rules of engagement to first present the question that one would have, the difficulty one has in the Pasuk, which he's going to explain in his commentary. So this is a general question. In general, whenever you see a Rashi, whenever Rashi says something, 
it's always worth looking for the question because Rashi is answering a question. Rashi is not here to give us superfluous information. Rashi is not, not here to fill us in with unnecessary information or to tell us the obvious. So obviously, whenever Rashi, like this fantastic teacher, when he detects that we may have a question, that there's something challenging or difficult in the Pasuk, that's when Rashi explains. And he doesn't have to tell us the question because it usually should be obvious on its own. Base. This is furthermore. Meaning, especially here. Bifrat benidon de dan. Especially in our matter, in our case. Over here, the question is even greater because over here, especially where it's obvious and clear from the Pasuk that it doesn't say anyway, anywhere that Hashem should have, should, uh, that Hashem told him from what to make it, that he should make it from copper. It says, All it says, Hashem said to him, make a serpent. And that's what he should have done. All Rashi had to do was just respond to this obvious question and say, why Moshe did what he did? Why does Rashi go into the whole question? Three, Gimel. Rashi Kaisev, what does Rashi write? Amar Moshe, the Moshe said to himself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Nachash. That Hashem called it a Nachash. Vilochen, and therefore, Ani Asenashon Nachashas. I'll make it out of copper. Lashen Eifel Alashen, a term which corresponds to another term. Harim Efurish Bekra. Shakadosh Baruch Hu Korei Saraf. In the Pasuk, what it does say explicitly is not what Rashi is telling us. Something's odd here. It says in the Pasuk that Hashem said to him, He didn't say to him, How does this Nachash come into the picture? And not only that it comes into the picture, but it plays such a major role that Moshe made it out of Nachashas because Nachashas is similar to Nachash. Furthermore, and this actually we see in the Ha'ara, in the footnote, if you look at footnote 4, you can also get a little idea of the background of Rashi. Usually Rashi takes his pirush from somewhere. He doesn't just, you know, shake it out of his sleeve. So if Rashi says something, there's a mucker for it, there's a source. If you look in the sources that explain it, for example, the Yerushalmi, that's not what it says there. It doesn't say, quote, Hashem said to him, Nachash. So where did Rashi take this from? Dalit, the fourth question. Madu'a mefadesh Rashi teves nechash necheshes le'achare she mefadesh ha-teves v'hoyo enoshech ha-nachashes ish v'hibet ha-gaymer. If you look into the previous Pasek, the previous Pasek, and let me give you some background here. And this, again, you would have to look into the footnote, footnote 5, ha-ara 5. Something very interesting here. The way the previous Rashi is printed, the way it appears in almost all Chumashim, it appears in a manner that it's just one long flowing Rashi. Meaning, it's a Rashi that talks about what happened and what was the effect of the snakes biting the Jews and what happened when they looked up on the snake and why that was effective. However, the Rebbe is actually pointing out a question here based on the fact that it's obvious that the previous Rashi in its original state, in other words, when Rashi, so to speak, wrote it down in his manuscript, there's actually two Rashis. And the Rashi breaks and begins a new Rashi with the words, the quote 
of the end of our Pasuk. After it says that he made it Nechash Nechoshes, it says, and it would, it would happen if a person was bit by a snake. He would look up and he would live and he would be healed. See, sometimes, and this the Rebbe pointed out many times, it turns out that in the process over the years when they printed it, somebody was, so to speak, smart and manipulated a little bit. But if you look into the original, the original sources are Rashi's, the original prints, these are two Rashi's. So what does it come out? And here's a very big question. Usually Rashi explains in the order of the Psukim and the order of the Pasuk itself. But it turns out here that Rashi explained the latter part of this Pasuk that we're now discussing. And then only after that does he explain what Nechash Nechash is, how it came about. Heipach Seder HaKosav. Base, chapter 2. Here is the explanation of all of this. Le'il, above, before, that's in Pasuk Vav, Al ha-Pasuk, Vayishalach Hashem begoimer es ha-Nechashim hasrafim, that Hashem sent the Nechashim hasrafim. What are Nechashim hasrafim? A Nechash is a snake, a serpent. Hasrafim. Okay, so many people call it Saraf, if you look in many of the translations. But Saraf has a meaning. Saraf means it burns. Okay, and exactly that's what Rashi explains. Pirush Rashi, Nechashim Hasrafim, why does the Torah call it, call them Nechashim Hasrafim, the burning snakes? Shesurfim Esa'odom Be'eres Shihem. Because they actually burn the person with the poison, with the venom that's in their, in their teeth. In their, that, that, that they transmit to the person. Hainu, Shetevas Hasrafim, Hu Toyar Linechashim. That the, the, the word, srafim, this is like a, a, a description of what the effect of the snakes were. Kiloima, meaning to say, these are the snakes that cause the burn. Because the, the venom, the way it goes into the body and the way it affects the body, it actually burns. It actually it has an effect of burning that, that the poison causes. Since this Pasuk, where Hashem, the previous Pasuk, sorry, where Hashem commands Moshe to make this Saraf, comes in continuation. It comes after the previously mentioned Nechashim Hasrafim, the snakes that bite and cause the burn. Harei Muvan, so it's understood, Shepirushe shel Saraf Khan, that the meaning of the word Saraf here, here in the phase of commandment when Hashem commands Moshe to make this Saraf, who, Shem Hatoyer, it's like an adjective, Meloshen Sreifa, meaning from something that burns, the burning thing. Veloi mean Nachash, and he's not describing to him to, and he's not directing him to make a certain species of Nachash. You see, if you read it, you think, oh, he told him to make a Saraf, a certain kind of snake that's called Saraf, like we know there are different types of snakes, right? There's a cobra, there's a, there's a, there's a rattlesnake, all kinds of snakes, and within the poisonous snakes, there are all kinds. No, that's not what he's saying. When Hashem said to him, make for you a saraf, he's referring to the previously mentioned snake, which is called a nachash hasaref, a nachash that burns, that gives off a venom that burns. That 
therefore, we have to come to the conclusion that what Hashem really told him is to make a nachash, which is a saraf. He just said it in short, he said saraf, but what he meant was a nachash, that's a saraf. So in other words, even though perhaps in our Pasuk, the way it appears, it doesn't seem that Hashem commanded him to make a nachash, that Hashem even mentioned the word nachash, but indeed by Hashem saying saraf, what Hashem really said was a nachash saraf. So the question is, if that's the case, if Hashem said it, if Hashem indeed did say nachash saraf, why did the Pasuk not mention it? The Pasuk just mentioned saraf, which throws, threw us off, which throws off the whole thing. So the Rebbe explains, We could understand this, even In other words, not running away from the obvious shot in the Pasuk and the obvious meaning, the simple meaning of the Pasuk, of the Psukim, of the Torah. That we can understand, we can understand, and it's obvious, that the Torah doesn't always specify, doesn't always detail, elaborate on all the details of what Hashem commanded Moshe. And we indeed, we find many times in the Torah, that in the phase of commandment from Hashem to Moshe, it kind of sometimes mentions it just in ge very general terms. And it misses out many, even vital details. And only afterwards. That when afterwards, in this next phase, when Moshe is giving over the commandment, when he is now telling it to the Jewish people, or in the phase of the implementation of the commandment, do we see that Mizbarim Prote Hatsivoy? Then they become more elaborated, all the details of the commandment. In the brackets, Since it's obvious, the obvious premise when we're learning is what? That Moshe Rabbeinu, God forbid, did not do anything on his own or come up with any ideas, even a detail of a mitzvah in his own. It's all coming from Hashem. Without him hearing it from Hashem. So it's obvious that all the details that are later added in the Torah, when is later, like we said, in the phase when Moshe is transmitting it, when Moshe is broadcasting it to the Jews, of course, So it's obvious that it was told to Moshe in the time that Hashem, in the first phase when Hashem had commanded it, to him. But for whatever reason, it wasn't specified in the Torah. The Torah didn't elaborate. Maybe, perhaps, just to suggest that the Torah, so to speak, relies on the fact that later it's going to be repeated in which phase, in the phase where Moshe transmits it to the Yidden, when Moshe t shares the commandment with the Yidden. So the Torah just says it in short in the first phase, and in the second phase, it's more elaborate. And likewise in our case. It's actually, therefore, according to this, 
It would follow that when Hashem said to Moshe, when he said to him the commandment, he did indeed tell him, make a nachash saraf. He did mention the word nachash. And this is to counter the punishment which came about through the nachash saraf, the nachashim sarafim, in plural. There were many. But for whatever reason, the Torah did not detail and did not specify and say Saraf. It just mentioned it in short that it said Saraf. But you got to give a reason. In other words, you want to suggest this. What would be the reason that the Torah would omit Nachash and say Saraf when indeed Hashem, as we just made the argument, said Nachash and Saraf? Vatam. Asiya, the reason, Asiya Sanachash and Chashtachoshes, Hoysa Lahatsola Mahoinish Lachashem Asrafen. What was the purpose of this prop that Hashem said to him to make? What was the purpose of this Nachash? In order to save those who were bitten by the snakes that burnt them with their poison. Since the entire punishment, the entire problem was what? the burning aspect of the venom of the snakes. Therefore, this is the main point of the whole thing. The main point was to counter the burning, not to counter the snakes, to counter the burning of the snakes. And therefore, we want to say it in short, Therefore, that's why Hashem said the main point of it, which is, And especially following the argument we make, that what? That later it specifies it. And right before that, it did already tell us, and it was very specific about the fact that this sreifa, this burning effect of the venom came from the nachash. So it's obvious, if you talk about the saraf, you're referring to the saraf of the nachash. So here we have already an answer, <clears throat> an understanding as to why, you know, where Rashi got it from and why it was presented this way. So in short, just to, to, to summarize, Hashem indeed did say Nachash to, to Moshe. Moshe did hear the word Nachash. And when he heard Nachash, he understood Nachash, make it Nachashas. Now we still need to answer the question, the fourth question. Why did he first preface this with the previous Rashi, which I explained is actually a Rashi in itself with its own Dibur HaMaskal, its own heading. Why did he first do it in the disorder of the Pasuk. So the Rebbe now will explain, because really there's a question can, that, that, that can arise. Just like we made the argument now that what? That Hashem told him Nachash, even though it doesn't say it. In the commandment phase, in the phase that Hashem is speaking to Moshe, why don't you throw in another thing? That Hashem said to him, make it Nachashas. Where does Rashi know how did Rashi come to this conclusion and he is specific about it and remember he's so specific that in the sources from where Rashi took his pirush it doesn't even say it there. How did Rashi draw this conclusion that Hashem never said to him to make it from copper? Maybe Hashem did just like Hashem said to him Nachash and we didn't hear it in the first time around. That's why Rashi prefaces. And he explains to us first, what was the purpose of this whole thing? The purpose of this whole thing wasn't some kind of refuah. This wasn't a potion. This wasn't a healing, so to speak. This was for the purpose of looking up 
And when you look up, what do you do? What did it say? Hashem said, the, Rashi says, they subserviated their hearts, Kalapi Maila, to Hashem. They took back their rebellion against Hashem and they became subservient against Hashem by looking up and realizing, wow, what did I do? I went far from Hashem. Therefore, what difference does it make what material it's made out of? In other words, there's no logic. There wouldn't even be a rationale in Hashem having told them, make it out of this or that. You see, if something is being done as a means of potion, as a medicine, then you have to be very specific. This is the prescription, so to speak. It has to be this, and it has to be, there has to be a nachash, and it has to be a nachashas. But if indeed the purpose is not the thing itself, but to look upwards and to look towards Hashem, then it wouldn't make sense that Hashem said to him, make it out of nachashas. Because really, what difference would it be technically if it's out of nachashas or it's out of wood, as long as they're looking upwards? But now, this begs a question. If that's the case, why then was it made out of a snake? Why then was it, would Hashem say to him to make it out of a nachash? Make it out of anything. Just put up a pole with a red flag. And the flag waves and everybody looks up and they look up towards Hashem and they subserviate their hearts and Hashem gives them a refuah. Hashem heals them and takes away that death penalty that came about because of the snake's venom that was burning through the body. Why? Why does it have to be a nachash? So the Rebbe says this is a very special insight. First of all, the nachash itself, in other words, why did Hashem say to make it out of a nachash if it didn't really matter what the thing is as long as they look upwards? Because the nachash itself, the snake itself, is the source of the punishment, is the source, is the reason, is the catalyst why this person is looking up. What triggered this person to look up? So by <clears throat> seeing the source of his pain, by seeing the source of his problem and looking at it, that will actually be ma'ayr him, that will awaken him, that will arouse him to a deeper level of tshuva. When you're looking at the problem itself. And moreover, if you think about it, <clears throat> what is symbolized in the snake? What is a nachash? A nachash, as we said before already, Rashi already explained to us in the previous Rashi, in this topic, why did Hashem choose nachashim, snakes, to bite and, and, and cause the Jews the harm? Why didn't he send lions? Why didn't he send wildcats? If the whole purpose was to kill them for what they did, why a nachash? And Rashi explained, because the nachash, the snake, is a symbol of haitzah's diba. This si a symbol of speaking negatively about something. And that's exactly what the Yidin did. They were moitzi diba. They spoke slander. And that's exactly what the nachash did. The nachash was the first one to ever do it. He caused death in the world. He brought sin into the world with his slander, with manipulating the things and saying something that's not true. And speaking negative about someone, about Adam, or whatever it is. So the idea of looking at a nachash, that, is, that reminds the person, this is the source of my pain, this is the source of the Aveda that I did, this is the symbol of it. So it makes sense that Hashem said to nachashas. But it didn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense, that Hashem would specify as to what material it should be made from, because that didn't matter either way. It's just that Moshe understood that if it's a nachash, it should be made 
Nechayshas. Now, we're going to go to Oiz Dalit and Oiz Hay. Chapter 4 and Chapter 5. I'll just summarize them. Chapter 4, the Rebbe explains, And we already explained once, means the wine. There's the water. Water is sustenance. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to drink. If you have thirst, you need to drink. But it doesn't have a taste. Yein is like wine. It has already a deeper, it has an appreciative taste. It has already something that you bring out from the grape. You bring out the inner secret, the inner qualities that are there. So Rashi now, the, the Rebbe will now show us the Rashi and explain to us why, what happened here. According to Yena Shaltaira, according to, so to speak, a Hasidus, Hasidish Kabbalistic approach, a little more mystically to understand this deeper. The two questions over here is number one, why a snake? And number two, why copper? So we know that when the snake bit the person, what happened? The venom immediately started to spread in the body. Technically speaking, at that point, this person was dead. The nachash caused a misa, a death. The fact that the person didn't actually collapse and fall to the ground and stop breathing, that's only a technical matter. But the person was already dead. Lucky for him, he still had a few minutes to look up and reverse that. And that is the key word over here. To reverse death of the nachash, that's why we made the nachash. Because the nachash caused the death. And I must say also another interesting point. We know that it says that there were four great tzaddikim, that the only reason they died, they did not deserve to die at all. There's no, nothing in their life that would have caused them to die. They should have lived forever. But why did they die? So it says they died because of the terrible deeds of the Nachash. What is the terrible deeds of the Nachash? Well, the first Nachash, the one that caused Chava to get her husband Adam to sin, and that brought Misa into the world, that brought the decree of death, when since it's a decree of death, everybody has to die, regardless of who it is, even a tzaddik that doesn't deserve to die. So we see that Nachash, not only in this case, caused the death, but Nachash is a symbol of death. Nachash is the origin, the catalyst of death. Not only here, but in general. So it's explained in Chassidus, in order to reverse death, when a person is dead, how do you reverse death? In other words, what's the concept of Tchiyas Mason? It's not that you can undo the death. That's a fact. But when you tap in, when you reach in to the mucker, to the source of life itself, which is of course the Eibishter, and which is beyond the limitations of life and death, whatever limitation life is, but beyond that, then that, so to speak, creates a new reality that reverses, that undoes or transforms, this hapcha transforms the death into life. And that's what happened over here. By them looking up at the symbol of Nachash, what did they see? Not only are they feeling that they're about to die and they're technically dead, even according to Halacha in some ways, but they're looking at the Nachash and they see the symbol of death. And that very symbol causes them to reach higher into the source of it all and from there to draw down a power that reverses the death into life. And this also helps explain another detail. Rashi said to us that Mishabdim es libom, 
They subservienced their hearts. Why didn't they say their hearts? Why did they say they subservient themselves? What is the emphasis here on the heart? The answer is, when you talk about the heart, like we say in Shema, we mean both the Yetzir Toiv and the Yetzir This is again a symbol of transformation, of being able to reach to such a deep level, so high, that you're able to take even the Yetzir and so to speak transform him, and harness his energy, which are normally, and by nature and by design, are negative energies, and they cause a person to go away from Hashem, and now you harness that in order to become closer to Hashem. Again, a symbol of tchiyas hamesim, a symbol of transformation. And from here we go to Ois Hay, to chapter 5, which explains why copper. The reason why copper it's brought down, and without getting into too much detail, it's brought down in Chassidus. According to Kabbalah, copper is a symbol of klipa. So copper, copper has, so to speak, the inherent quality of negative, of klipa, which is synonymous with death. So to take something from copper and turn it into a catalyst of life, that again is the power of Tchiyas the power of transformation.